Today we are setting out in a, in a journey as a church on, on these 40 days, taking a challenge. And so many of you have already taken the challenge. And man, we, we're so excited. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what God is going to do this year in our hearts. And, and I really have felt that this was a year that we needed to start out in prayer and just kind of focusing all together in the same direction, moving together. And so uh, for those of you that haven't taken the challenge by the end of today, I guarantee you, you'll want to, uh, because my job over the next 25, 30 minutes is to use every bit of persuasion and every bit of ounce of convincing that I have in you to help you realize that you need to participate in this. And uh, that if you will give God these 40 days, something perhaps could transform in your life that you have yet to see or even experience ever before. Rodney Gypsy Smith was his name, and he lived on the outskirts of London in 1860. At the age of 16, Rodney made a decision for Christ, and he taught himself to read and to write. Amazing. And he did this so that he could start preaching the message of Jesus everywhere that he went. Now, Rodney would often sing hymns to people, and he kind of earned the nickname, the Singing Gypsy Boy. I guess you could have been called worse things, but the Singing Gypsy Boy. And he began to serve in different missions organizations in England, including the, the Salvation Army. What was cool, about, unique maybe even about Rodney is that he crisscrossed the Atlantic Ocean 45 times, preaching the gospel to millions of people. He never, ever preached without somebody, without at least one person surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. It seems that everywhere the gypsy singing boy went, revival was right on his heels. People were coming to Jesus all the time. And oftentimes people would come and say, Rodney, how can we experience this same revival? How can we see what you're seeing? How can we experience this in our, in our own land or in our college or in our communities? How, how can we see this same thing? And Rodney would tell them the same thing. He would say, go home, lock yourselves in your room, kneel down, grab some chalk, draw a circle on the floor. And as you're kneeling in that circle, don't get up until revival takes place within that circle first. Friends, this is the challenge that we are endeavoring to pursue together. Each of us are being invited to take up this exact same challenge. So for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about the power of prayer. We're going to talk about the, the need to pray in the same direction for a long period of time. The, the, what God's word has to say about prayer. And we're going to, over the next five weeks, be invited into this 40-day journey together. And we're going to be challenged to pray bold, expectant, Bible-based, miracle-producing prayers. And I'm believing that we're going to, be, to see the beginning not the end, but the beginning of something that ignites revival within our own hearts, within our own homes, and within our church, and within our community. Here's what I know, is that prayer always changes the participant. Always changes the participant. It's not always about the request, but it is always about the participant. 
So I want to encourage you from the very beginning. Many of you have already done this, but for those of you that haven't made up your mind, or maybe you're just hearing about this challenge, I want to invite you and encourage you to make a decision right here, right now to say, no, you know what? I'm going to participate. I'm going to find a way to participate because what we know is that what happened last year, whatever 2018 held, good, bad, or indifferent, God wants to do more in 2019. That there is more surrender, there is more transformation, there is more growth, there is more hope, there is more joy, there is more peace, there is more blessing, there is more relationships, there, there is more for you in 2019. And we want to set ourselves in a place to say, God, you can have your way in us. And we want to draw a proverbial circle. And we want to circle the promises of God and circle certain things and form our own little circles of prayer so that we see God move because God doesn't respond necessarily to our needs, but he does respond to our faith. God rarely acts and moves without people praying first. God never interrupts your life without you first giving him permission. He's a gentleman like that. Oh, pastor, I thought God was sovereign and he did whatever he wanted. He is sovereign. But in his sovereignty, he chose to give you a will. And he's not going to override his sovereignty until you surrender your sovereignty. And it is in your sovereignty, in your own will, in your own desire and choice to either pursue God or walk from God, to pray to God or to try and figure it out in your own strength. It's in those moments when we choose to surrender and say, you know what, we're going to participate. We're going to pray that God begins to respond. I, I want to challenge you right from the set. Turn your kitchens into prayer circles. Turn your... Wednesday hang time with your friends into your prayer circles. Turn uh, the conversations that you have with, with your small group, turn those into prayer circles. And around your, with your spouse, the, the times of conversation in the kitchen, turn it into a prayer circle. Your lunch hour, turn it into a prayer moment. Participate, be a part. Today at the, at the end of our, our, our time together, I'm going to invite you to, to pull out some cards. A card that you likely maybe almost sat on looks something like this. On one side, it's got these praying hands. On the other side, it has this, I'm praying, dot, dot, dot. And we're going to have an opportunity to, to write down today as part of our commitment to go in on, on this challenge to say, God, this is what we're doing. This is, we're going to have an opportunity to write down one thing that we're believing God to do this year. One thing that we're going to pray for. One promise that we're just going to circle again and again. One thing that we would desperately love to see God do. Maybe it's healing of a loved one, a prolonged diagnosis that's been ongoing. Maybe this is the year that God brings complete and total healing. And so you're going to write it down. Maybe there's something as it relates to provision. Maybe you have a wayward child in the faith and you're believing that they're going to come to salvation this year. Maybe, maybe that's what you write down. Maybe it's a, something as it relates to your marriage or something as it relates to your fine. I, I don't know what it is, that's what you get to decide, to say, God, this is what I'm going to circle again and again. And here's what I know, that as we get into God's presence and we receive his agenda for our lives and for this church, God will begin to do something amazing. Today in our sermon, I really want to look at four dynamics of praying for 40 days. Some of the dynamics that will occur over the next 40 days is as we together draw the circle, 
as we together keep circling the promises and the prayers together. Here's the first thing that, that I want us to, to, to realize today. And if you're taking notes, you can, you can jot this down. And, and if you're not taking notes, you can repent and jot this down too. Uh, here, here's the first thing today is that the promises of God energize your prayers. There is a difference between praying a prayer and praying the prayer according to God's promises. There's a difference. Praying the promises of God will energize your prayers. It gives it a whole new level of energy and life. It, it has a way of, of skyrocketing beyond our atmosphere and really touching the throne of heaven. It has, a, has something of power, ignition that, that's attached to it. Joshua chapter 1 we find the children of Israel at a place where Moses had led them out of Egypt. They were enslaved and they'd kind of been wandering around the wilderness for, for, for quite a long time. And they were at a place where they were getting ready to go into what God had told them was the promised land. Here is the promised land. This is, this is what I've promised for you. And they were getting ready to, to go in, but there was this city that was kind of in the way. The city was named Jericho. And Jericho was standing in the way between where the children of Israel were currently positioned and the promise that God had for them on the other side of that land, on the other side of this city. And so as they came to Jericho, there's one kind of dun-da-dun-dun uh, moment that kind of has happened in the story. And, and, and it's this, that their leader, Moses, is now dead. And another leader has now taken his place, and it's this guy, this guy named Joshua, who is supposed to lead the children of Israel into this, this promised land. And, and you find them at this moment, and God is coming, and he's speaking to Joshua, and he says something so amazing. In verse 3, Joshua 1, verse 3, this is what it says. It says, I will give you every place, every pot, spot of land, every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, everywhere you're going to walk, I want to give you. I, I, this is the promise. Now, a lot of times we look at the, we, uh, you've heard the term promised land and, hey, God's going to give you your promised land. And one day we're going to get to the promised land. And we kind of use the promised land as a metaphor for like heaven. That's not really the best metaphor. That's not really the best application for the promised land. Friends, if you've been around church for any length of time, let me encourage you, while heaven will be amazing and it, it'll be a place of new creation and just amazing wonder and, and beauty, that's not what the promised land really represents in Scripture. The promised land represents the overcoming, abundant life that Jesus wants to give every believer today. In other words, God's best is waiting for you. That's the promised land. And if you're not experiencing God's best in your life today, it's because there are some promises that you have yet to lay a hold of, grab, and see God produce in your life and for you. But it's available to you. The promise that God gave to Joshua was this expansive promise. It's a beautiful promise. What I love is that not only was it just this amazing promise, but it was a, a transfer of promises. He said, hey, I promised this to Moses, but I'm going to hold good on my promise and I'm going to transfer it to you. 
In other words, I promised it to Moses, but Joshua, I'm going to be good on the, I'm going to carry through on what I promised you. And Joshua was able then to lead the people. If you know the story or you want to read it later, you can go to Joshua chapter six and God leads Joshua to circle Jericho for seven days. And after they circled the city for seven days, God gave them the victory that he had promised them. Some of us, uh, you feel like you've been circling some things? Can I encourage you? You might just be one more prayer away from singing God's promise fulfilled. Don't stop. Don't stop on six. Don't stop circling on the sixth day. Don't stop circling on the sixth time on the seventh day. No, no, no. You keep circling those promises of God until the walls fall down. You keep circling the promises of God until you see God come through. You keep circling the promises of God until you see him change something that you've been praying for him to change. Don't stop now. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. The promises of God do not have an expiration date. They... They, they, don't, they don't have a shelf life. They don't need extra preservatives necessarily that are bad for you and all those other toxins, apparently, that's a big deal that these days. I'm just saying that the promises of God have no shelf life, which means that if God has promised it, he still wants to deliver on it. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises of God that he's made, they are yes in Christ and amen to those who claim them. In other words, because of what Jesus did at the cross, you and I have access to every promise of God because the Bible says when we are in Christ, then we become these heirs. We get to inherit all of the blessing that God has given to his people because of Jesus Christ, because you're a part of God's family. You get to be a part of these promises. God's promises in the Bible, every promise is available, hear me, to you. And it's available to me. There are over 7,487 specific promises in God's word between the pages of scripture. 7,000. That's a lot of promises. Some of them are unconditional promises. In other words, no matter what, this is going to happen. No matter what, you can take it to the bank. This is God's promise and it's going to happen. Like the God's going to bless the nation of Israel. Doesn't really matter what comes up against it. It's just going to happen because he already promised Abraham that all of his seed would be blessed. So it's going to happen. It's unconditional. But then there are many more uh, uh, conditional promises. There are many more conditional promises. In other words, there are conditions attached to the promise. If you do this, then I will do this. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I don't necessarily believe that the problem with America is that we aren't praying. I think the problem is we haven't yet humbled ourselves first and pray from a humble place. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, hear from heaven, and I will heal. It's a promise that is based on your action. It's a conditional promise. There are many conditional promises all through scripture that are awaiting your participation. And when you choose to participate in those promises, you begin to see the blessing of God show up 
Why? Because we must pray for God's promises in God's will and for God's glory. And when we do that, we see the promises show up. There's something to do with our motives. We've got to pray the promises of God. Pray according to his will, his word. The Bible is God's will. So if it's in God's word, then it is God's will. And when you pray according to his word and his will, the Bible says, and we pray also for his glory. Some of you are praying promises that you know are in God's word, but your motives are completely selfish. That's not for God's glory. God wants to answer the prayers as we pray them in a way that postures our heart before the Lord. This is Lord, this is for you and for your glory and for your name sake. No, this is not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of a message or an approach. God is not a genie in the bottle just waiting for you to rub him the right way and respond and give you what you've been waiting for. No, there are conditional promises, but, but there is something that energizes your prayer when you begin to pray the promises of God. When you pray the promises of God. Uh, a couple months ago, I had the privilege of being asked to open the city council meeting here in Fort Scott uh, and pray at, at the opener. Never done that before. It's, I felt very honored and, and blessed. And I realized that they ask all around. That's not like a special thing. There's lots of people who get to do that. That's, that's wonderful. I love that we do that. But one of the things that I made sure that I did is not something I normally do. I actually wrote out and scripted out a prayer that I read. Why did I do it? Because I wanted to inject God's word all through that prayer without quoting a single scripture that they would have maybe even heard or recognized. But I made sure that I prayed for godly wisdom. I made sure, which is according to James chapter one, by the way, in case you were wondering, I made sure to pray that we would humble our hearts because Proverbs chapter one and second Corinthians chapter or second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14, all of them talk about walking in a spirit of humility that then God begins to respond. And not to mention second Peter, which talks about how God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And by all means, I don't want our city to be stiff armed by God because we're walking in our own pride and our own ideas rather than receiving the blessing that comes from the humility and the grace that God pours out. I, I intentionally prayed in such a way and wrote out the prayers so that it would be filled with God's word and his promises. Why? Because when you pray the promises of God, it energizes your prayers. It does something different. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'd love to be able to pray God's word. Whoa, I've got great news for you. You can. In fact, this week on Wednesday, I'm going to email out many, many scriptural prayers that you can pray as it relates to getting peace, provision, that you can pray over your children, that you can pray um, over your finances, that you can pray over wisdom and direction, over healing in your bodies, scriptural promises. There's over a hundred of them that I will email out to everybody who has texted the word news to 620-604-9280. If you're a part of our email list, I'm going to email it out. So you can pull out your phones right now, text the word news to 620-604-9280. And I'm going to email it to everybody who's a part of that. And everybody who's a part of our 40-day prayer, I'm going to email it out. One time only, just for you, because you're here, you get to know about it. Congratulations, you've got perfect attendance in 2019 at church. Your gift from your pastor. 
And you can take these scripture promises and you can pray them out. You can find one or two and begin to circle them again and again and again. Pray them again and again and again. Here's the second thought today. That when you pray for 40 days, it has a specific purpose behind it. Now, there's nothing magical about the number 40, but it is a significant biblical number. Lots of significant things took place on, within the context of the number 40. Uh, things like uh, floodwaters. When Noah had built the ark, flood was on 40 days, 40 nights. Moa, Moses was in Midian for 40 years before the burning burst showed up. Uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights getting the Ten Commandments. Moses prayed for Israel at another time for 40 days. He prayed consistently for Israel. It was the spies that took 40 days to investigate the promised land, the land of Canaan. It was the people who had, the people of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They wandered. It was supposed to be a 40 day trip. But because of their decisions and unbelief, it lasted 40 years. Goliath taunted Saul's army for 40 days before David ever arrived on the scene to beat the giant. Elijah fled from Jezebel and he journeyed for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. Jesus spent 40 days being tested by the devil in the wilderness as he fasted. 40 days passed between when Jesus was raised from the dead and when he ascended into heaven 40 days. Friends, the purpose of the 40-day prayer challenge is for each of us to create a habit of prayer. Something happens when you say, God, I'm going to surrender 40 days and submit to you for 40 days, and I'm going to pray for 40 days. Friends, you can pray the same prayer for 40 days. It's really okay. It's really all right. That's perfectly fine. You're like, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. But I don't know all the right words. There are none. It's you talking to God. That's called prayer. And some of you know how to talk real well. So talk, just talk. Just uh, God in the sky, uh, here's what I'm asking. Amen. Congratulations. You prayed. You can pray. And when you do it for 40 days, it creates this habit, this lifestyle, this immediate response in our lives that begins to develop. Number three, persistent prayer demonstrates our passion to see God at work. Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In the original Greek language, it really reads more like this. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. You'll have the answer in the door, and you'll find what you need. It's this consistent, this perpetual, this this ongoing without stopping until it answers, until you find what you're looking for, until you need, till you receive the promise from God, until it shows up in your life, keep going. Matthew 18, 18 says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth, everybody say bind. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That word bind in the verse is a legal contractual binding. 
In other words, when you pray, it is like putting a spiritual contract on the things of God. When you pray, you are literally establishing a contract with God for, for, for his purposes and his power and the things. Your prayer is a binding, powerful thing that takes place in the spirit realm. But here's what I know. I know this is going to sound super elementary, and I, and I don't want you to miss it because of its simplicity. God will not answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. You want to know the best way for God not to answer your prayers? Don't pray. Just worry about it. Just think about it for a little while. It's not prayer. Worrying about something is not the same thing as praying about something. Talking to your friend about the situation is not praying about the situation. Complaining about it, is not changing because of your prayers. No, no, no. If you are looking for God to move in an area of your life, you're looking for an answer from heaven, you must pray. You must pray. You must pray. You must talk to God. You need to open your mouth and talk to your heavenly Father who delights and having conversation with you. He loves it. He loves having conversation with you. Because there's no one like you. You're his favorite. He loves it when you come and just talk with him. Number four. For the observation about this kind of pattern of prayer that we're going on. And that's this. Persistent prayer will require a place and a time. It's going to get real practical here. Persistent prayer. If you want to be somebody that goes all the way through with this 40-day challenge, if you, you say, I'm going, to, I'm going to find something, that there's something that I want to see God do this year, something I'm believing about, I want to see God do it, it's going to require, if you're going to be persistent, it's going to require that you set a place and a time to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Jesus directed us in Matthew chapter 6. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. He says, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. It doesn't mean it has to be in a room. That wasn't what Jesus was saying. But he was saying, pick a place and go there. Why? Because certain places prompt certain behaviors. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, wives, let me ask you, when your husband walks in and he's home from work and he grabs the remote and he sits down in the living room, does that prompt a certain behavior in his life? Yeah. It also prompts certain non-behaviors in his life, right? Like his listening ability. Whoop. Sorry, fellas. I'm right there with you. My wife's already amen. And it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I get it. Certain, certain places prompt certain behaviors, right? Have you ever had uh, people tell, tell you that your child is so well-behaved at school? And you're like, which child? Are you sure? Is there another kid that looks like that? Because when they're at home, that behavior ain't quite the same. Why? Because certain places, right, 
prompt certain behaviors. When you go to a specific place for the purpose of praying, when you get there, you will be prompted to pray. So pick a place, any place. Find a place where you can pray. It could be your kitchen table. It could be a chair in your living room. It could be the throne in your bathroom. It could be in your car. Pick a place. Pick a spot where you will go and you will pray. Pick a spot. I'm picking two spots. Because sometimes one of the spots gets really busy in my house. So I'm going to pick a different place too. And it only gets busy because I don't wake up when I'm supposed to. Conviction of the Holy Spirit again. Right? Like, pick a place. Pick a place. The Jewish people and the early church had regular times of prayer Every single day. Read Psalm 55 and and you'll read how it talks about in the morning. In the afternoon, my prayers will rise. And in the evening, I will pray to you, Lord. The early church, they gathered in the morning times, in the afternoon times, and in the evening times. Why? Because they wanted prayer to be a part and a pattern of their life. We need to set a consistent time to pray. So pick a place. Any place. But pick a place. Pick a time. Any time. But pick the time. Put it on your calendar so you know, I'm going to get to this place at this time every day and I'm going to pray. I want you to notice something. I didn't say pick a time limit that you're going to pray. I don't care if you pray for 30 seconds. Pray. I don't care if you pray for 30 minutes. God bless you. I probably won't. At one time. Just pray. Pick a place, pick a time, and pray. Pick a time, pick a place, and pray. And if you will set a time and a spot to pray, I want to challenge you. Pray out loud so you can hear you. So pick a spot where you will be okay praying out loud. Well, pastor, I can pray in my mind. I know you could but you shouldn't. That should not be the only place and the only way that you pray. I want to encourage you to begin praying out loud. Why? Because it's when you begin to learn to speak the promises of God. Power begins to transform your life. When you begin to speak your prayers, it begins to help you grow and build confidence in some stuff. But I might not say it right. I might mumble in my words. That's okay. You can say, um, 700 times. God knows what you're saying. Well, then why can't I just be silent and think about it? Because your enemy needs to hear your words. There's life that comes when your words get into the atmosphere that there's power behind those things. And you need to pray. Pick a time, pick a place, and pray. Listen, prayer will really begin to thrive in your life when you start praying with other people. I want to challenge challenge you to pick a person to pray with during these 40 days. Maybe your schedules don't allow you to pray every day together. That's fine. But pray often together. The Bible talks about the power of agreement where two or three come and they pray in agreement for anything. 
pray. Pick somebody in your small group and say, hey, will you pray with me at this time each day? Maybe you need to set a time in the evening because all the kids will be asleep and the routine hasn't started. And maybe you just hop on Facebook Messenger and you start a group chat. And they've got a really cool feature where you can like video with everybody in the group chat. And spend five minutes praying together. Two, three of you. Four if you want more. You meet every day for lunch with somebody. You meet weekly with breakfast for somebody. Pray with them. Pray with them. Pray with them. Because something powerful takes place when we pray in the context with other people. I'm going to challenge you to take up this, this prayer challenge. What's the challenge? Find a time. Find a place. Find a friend. Find a promise. What do you mean promise? What is it you're believing? What is it you're praying for? Find a scripture that aligns with your prayer. When you pray God's promises, it accelerates what you do. On your seat, there are these cards. I grabbed three of them. There are three areas in my life that I'm praying for. There's a personal something that I'm praying for. There's something for our church that I'm praying for. And there's something as it relates to my family that I'm praying for. There's a promise that I know. I just wrote a scripture reference because I happen to know what they are and going to commit them to memory more and more. But I just simply wrote on here one word, two words that I know and God knows exactly what they mean. I want to invite you to pull this out. Whether you're taking the challenge or you're just going to try better, I want to invite you to fill this out today. You can drop it by when you pick up a book. You can place it in the giving box on your way out. Don't put your name on it. Don't get super detailed with it. But I want you to, to write it. What's the one prayer that you want to see God answer this year? What's one thing that you're wanting to see God do? Each week as we receive these, we're going to take these and we're just going to put them up. We're going to have one designated spot within this area and we're going to put these up. And this is going to be a prompt for all of us to be praying. We don't know all the details. We don't need to know all the details. We don't need to get into people's business. But we can pray together. And you'll have people that you don't even know start praying for you because they're going to walk by and read a word that says a job. And they're going to start praying for whoever needs a job. Maybe they need a job. They want a new job. They want a better job. I don't know. They're just going to pray. And as a church, we're going to have an opportunity to see these, to pray for these, not knowing. And you yourself will have these prompts to say, I'm going to, I'm going to consistently say, this is what we're circling in prayer. These are the things that we're circling in prayer. So before you leave, fill it out. Just write on it. This, this year I'm praying for, I'm praying this. I'm praying this. I'm praying, this is what it is for me. Listen, if you want to see God do amazing things in your life, in the life of our church, you need to be a praying person. We need to be a praying people. And it's good to have a personal prayer life, but there's something amazing that takes place when you pray with somebody else. Could be your spouse, could be your family, it could be a friend, a coworker. Whenever, 
all through the course of these 40 days from starting this Saturday until the final Saturday, which is the 9th of February. We're going to open up the sanctuary here at the church from 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning. Have some music in the background playing and we're going to turn this sanctuary into a place to pray. No agenda. You come in, personally be able to just find a spot in this space and pray every Saturday. Next five four of them, whatever the math is, till the ninth, 8.30 to 9.30. Let's be a praying people. Let's set our face before the Lord and say, God, if you said it in your word, and it's a promise, then through Jesus, we get to say amen and we can receive that promise. God, we're circling that promise. This is what we're praying, God. We're just going to circle this one request again and again and again, asking God that you would do something. And I promise you will be changed through this process because it starts a pattern of power and a pattern of prayer. And something persistent and amazing takes place inside of you as you participate. We bow your heads. Let me pray for us. God, I, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us today. God, I thank you that there are things that you've been speaking to people's hearts today as I've been preaching, motivating, challenging, encouraging them. That Lord, they're going to make a commitment. They're saying, I'm going to take the 40-day challenge. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a place. I'm going to find a time. Find a friend, I'm gonna find a promise, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pray and seek God. Lord, I pray that you would change us, God, as we get in the circle, as we circle these promises and we circle these prayers again and again and again. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would meet us in that place. You would come in power, come fulfill your promises, come change us as people. God, give us the courage to do it, Lord, for those that have never prayed before. Maybe maybe it's a brand new thing for them, God. Give them the courage to do it, to just start practicing praying. Lord, that you would meet them in those moments and in those, those still quiet places. Lord, whether they're, they're praying for 30 seconds or three minutes, God, meet us in the places, at the times that we choose to be persistent with our prayers. And Lord, if we're not sure what it is that we want to see you do this year, God, ignite that in us. Prompt us right now, Holy Spirit. What's the thing we need to pray for this year? For your name, for your glory, because of your will, it's according to your word, God. That's how we want to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.